Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. This is LBC from Global. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. So here he is, back in uh, back in court again. Acid attacker Arthur Collins gets another eight months uh, because he had a little mobile phone with him. He quite clearly doesn't learn, does he? You know, you go in for throwing acid. He lied through his teeth. And because he thought it was a date rape drug. Why you'd want to spray somebody with a date rape drug? I can't imagine. But anyway, the judge and the jury decided he was a lying little toe rag. And so they sent him to prison because people were disfigured. Sent him to prison for 20 years. I think it was 25, but there's five on licence or something, which means they can look at it again and decide they want him out. Anyway, he's been given a consecutive sentence for hiding a mobile SIM card and memory sticks in a crutch while he was on remand in jail. It was, said Collins, used... Uh, it was said Collins used the Nokia stick phone to ring Fern McCann because he feared his recorded prison calls to her would be leaked. So he was speaking to her. She never mentioned that. She never mentioned that at all. Does anybody remember when Fern McCann said, oh, by the way, I was speaking to him in his prison cell? No, she never told you that. She lied. She lied. She withheld the truth. So he said that he actually spoke to her on this little telephone. And she went, oh, it's been an awful year. I'm going, awful year? Well, for you, what about the people in the club? She wasn't in the club, incidentally. He was off by himself, and it was, all, it was just lie after lie after lie. But uh, he admitted possessing a prohibited item. So now it's uh, the minimum term he must now serve is 13 years and eight months. So that's the minimum that he would... He was given 20 years, five on licence. So now it's 13 years minimum. Good, good. Most people seem to agree with that round here. In fact, just about everywhere people do. And uh, so it's a case of, you know, he takes a, a mobile phone and somebody gives him one and he stupidly uses it. I think his phone calls are going to be um, are going to be sort of interceded and then somebody will sort of write them up in a newspaper or whatever, which I can understand. But she lied through her teeth. She never said she'd received phone calls from him from prison. Do you think you think she'd have come up if she's that bright, which I'm not convinced she is going. Um, so uh, where are you phoning from? He's going, I'm in my cell. He went, oh, wow. Can we talk all the time? Yeah, because the next thing is she goes to the prison and she basically says, um, you're not ever seeing your son ever again. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And then she started dragging out this, oh, it's been awful for me. And uh, everybody else was pointing out that uh, she was only interested in herself, certainly wasn't interested in the poor people. Yeah, isn't she brave going back into this morning? No, I didn't think so at all, actually. I just thought it's either that or she's... Oh, now, now she's got Babby. So she'll have to have pictures taken, so it'll be its first birthday. Here is the picture of your father. Of course, I mean, he might be uh, seeking legal advice, saying, I don't think she's allowed to do things like that. It's his son. You can't just sort of take it away from somebody, whether they're in prison or not. Still his son. Steve Allen on LBC. How much for a haircut? Prince William got ripped off to the tune of £180. I mean, it takes but minutes to do that haircut that he's got, I promise you. And, a, and 180 quid. Couldn't, couldn't they go and find somebody cheaper? I'm sure you could have got somebody in a minicab to come from Hounslow to do it for a fiver. They do it for free. Unfortunately, because he's had it cut so short, um, he'll have to have it cut like that about every week and a half. 
because it, it grows straggly and uh, he'll have to have it done. 180 quid a time. More money than cents. Uh, Gary says, William paid 30 quid for a haircut and 150 for a polish. I can't work out why he'd ever, in his wildest dreams... If they, if they keep telling us, oh, they're just like us, which, of course, is cobblers, they're not like us at all. I can't afford 180 quid on a haircut. That's a fortune. A fortune. I should imagine it's probably a cheap haircut and then it's travel. You know, but, I mean, the bloke could drive himself there. It's, it's not beyond the... And also, would he not be giving it to them for free? 180 quid every, every two weeks... That'll be cut, because it has to be. If your hair is cut short, and it's not a difficult haircut to do, you know, there'll be hairdressers looking at that this morning going, 180 quid you'd take it a Michael, aren't you? So £360, double that, uh, £760 for the month. Uh, That's about 8,500 quid a year just on a tatty old haircut. God, blimey, mate. Surely you can do something better. A friend of mine yesterday started texting me. At, uh, at gone eight, which I thought was um, a little bit bizarre, seeing as I was in bed quite early. And I have a sneaking feeling that uh, this person who was texting me uh, at one point, uh, it obviously wasn't for me. They've obviously texted it. They should have gone to say, I've done that before. I've texted something and it went to my hairdresser. I said, oh, I, I'm, I can't do so-and-so tomorrow because I've got an interview. And she wrote back and went, that's very interesting. Thank you. And this this particular one, and uh, text spelling mistakes all over the place. And then they actually said here, lots of spelling mistakes, a bit tiddly. But it's not for me, so I'm just going to send them. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've got loads of them. And um, <laughs> so it, it's very interesting, because I'm now going to have to send a text saying, I assume these are not meant for me, but I got about four of them last night. So, I was obviously, so I'm just going to send it now, because I'm assuming they will be up at this time of the morning, this, this friend of mine. Because it's funny, isn't it, when you get something and you read it and you think... Because when I looked at it this morning, when I woke up, I thought, what's that got to do with me? And, and, and one of them says, love the fact you texted me from the kitchen. See, well, that wouldn't have been me. I would never text anybody from the kitchen, so I can't wait to see what the reply is going to be. It's going to be, I wonder why I didn't get any response from them from yesterday. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, somebody says, uh, hairdresser, Steve, with your head. Of course, I told you. If you have your hair cut short, you have to go every week. Prince William's got a hairdresser at 180 quid a time. Steve Allen has one that's not 180 quid a time. Of course, everybody. In fact, the shorter you have your hair, the more you need to go there, just to make yourself look, you know, particularly attractive. And uh, But I'm not sexy. We've already discovered this. I'm not sexy, but obviously very popular. Steve Allen on LBC. Joe in London says, uh, Joanne Webb sounds gorgeous. Is she single? Listen... No. Um, well, I can't comment on things like that. We're not allowed to talk about things like that. That's called stalking. I'd leave her alone. She comes in here to do the travel. And also, I think we have to pass that number on to the police as well. Luckily, I've got your phone number, so don't worry. We'll have you sorted out. But uh, no, I, 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 this is not a dating show. I think people all of a sudden think, oh, there's obviously something going on. You know, we can have sort of people dating on Steve Allen's early breakfast. No, you can't. We don't do things like that. You know, we used to have a dating show on LBC. And uh, and it ran for, for quite a while, actually. I went on it frequently, never met anybody at all. So uh, it was very successful for a lot of people, very successful. But uh, Joanne does sound gorgeous, and that's why she's on radio. Paul in West Yorkshire says, Joanne Webb looks as gorgeous as she sounds. He said, I'd give her my last Mars bar any day. I think, again, that's stalking. Again, that's something that we need to sort of uh, flag up to make sure. You can't write to people like that. That's a terrible thing to say. 
Why people write to me? Well, they don't. Uh, sort of saying, oh, you sound really sexy. Nobody's ever written that. Nobody's ever written, oh, Steve, you sound really sexy. Seriously, they don't do it. I mean, I gave up that years and years ago, you know, you, you, because you get some, some presenters that play up to it. I'm not going to say which one's in this building. I don't want to say James O'Brien. It's not necessary, you know, to mention people who sort of, you know, like the old flattery thing. Oh, my God, you're sounding very sexy today because they don't say it to me. And I'm not particularly bitter about it or twisted in any way, shape or form. But frankly, I've got to that age now where if somebody doesn't say it before long, I'm just going to quit. Because, you know, I might as well go and sort of take tickets on the bus. Not that we have bus conductors anymore, do we? God, I'd like to bring that one back again, I think. Uh, Steve, there you go, you see. You sound really sexy. Now, I know you're fibbing. I know you're fibbing. Because, it's, you see, the, the trouble is, you know, if I was a lesser presenter, I'd be going, oh, thank you very much indeed. But I'm not stupid. I know I do not sound sexy. Passable, I think. Uh, and Tony says, you're awesome, amazing, funny and sexy. You see, again, please. And I see a smart photo of you on my mobile. Blue shirt, grey jacket. The red glitter jacket, I think, would be nicer. Yes. And, uh, and Steve says, morning, Steve. I'm a fella and I wish I sounded half as sexy as you do at this time in the morning. Now, listen, stop it now because it's, it's going to turn into a court case. And, um, you know, and I, I, frankly, I don't have the time in between trying to sort the cataracts out and everything else. And then Ian says, can you send me a signed photo of you and Joanne Webb? What is going on here this morning? Honestly, we've turned into some dating agency on, on LBC. We're definitely attracting the wrong people. I need to have you all changed. I'm looking for ABC ones. I don't want to make a big deal about it, but that's how we categorise it. Best thing about getting on a bus with a bus conductor was there were loads of you and you got a really long ticket. Or was you just say, well, actually, a friend of mine... I can remember getting on the bus and you would hope that it was coming to the end of the roll of tickets. And then the, if the bus conductor liked you, I never thought about the implications, believe you me. And he would give you the end of the roll. You should go, ooh, got the end of the roll of tickets. And, you know, the London Transport Museum, when they opened up, they found loads of ticket machines. Hundreds and hundreds and th- I think hundreds of thousands. And they were selling them at 40 quid each. I wish I bought one. The old ticket machines, which came with rolls of paper and you could put it and it made that noise. And they were selling them. Now they go for a fortune. Because it's an antique now, but I wish I'd bought... A friend of mine bought one. I thought, I wish I'd bought one. Didn't have the money, though. So not only not sexy, but broke at the same time. Very depressing. And then uh, Manuel says, I wouldn't say that your voice is sexy, but it's definitely captivating. Oh, right. Uh, Joanne Webb, on the other hand, has a very sexy voice when she's not imitating Dave Goff. Stop it with the Dave Goff thing, all right? Told you before about this. And, uh, And John says, I can send you a signed photo if you like. I think I'm gorgeous. Well, that's fine, you see, but I, I've never been delusional about my looks. I've, you know, people have said to me, "No, how do you feel about your looks?" I've said, "Well, average." I can't. You can't get excited about it. It's a radio program. You know, you do get some radio people who are quite clearly in love with their own voice, and they're called voiceovers. I don't do voiceovers. I'm just doing a radio program, and it seems to kind of work. This is LBC with Steve Allen. <laughs> Hello, nice to have you company. Welcome along to the Spike. Nothing comes within a million miles of it. Thank goodness for that. That's the way we go. Can you believe, seriously, that a radio presenter would actually say on hearing the news of the death of Dolores O'Riordan, well, why don't you call us and let me know your favourite Cranberries track? I mean, how stupid would you have to be for that one? I would fire the producer immediately. I mean, this is obviously some three-year-old. What a thing to do. Why would you want to know? Which is your favourite? She's just died, and you want to know the favourite track? God, amateur time or what? Dear me, I mean, dear God in heaven. I mean, 
Oh, God. I'll tell you, you you kind of get it thrown back again. You think, why would you be asking that? Somebody's just probably taken their own life. And you're going, oh, which which kind of music would you like? Oh, have you ever heard anything like it? Dear God in heaven, that's what you call amateur time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, The Sun, so desperate for a page filler this morning, they've got two pages on 100 dogs you go mad for. I seriously thought somebody must have sat down and go, why don't you go, what's your favourite cotton bud? You know, do you have a favourite cotton bud? What's your favourite cranberry song? I thought that was possibly the lamest thing I've ever heard from somebody who claims to be a journalist on a show. Quite clearly not a bloody clue about anything. The worst thing is, I don't think anybody even bothered. It was such a joke. You know, I'm terribly sorry. Somebody's just died. What was your favourite song? What's the follow-up? I liked whatever. And you go... Oh, good, thank you. There's no answer to it, is there? What's your favourite... It's like, you know, what's your favourite Beatles song? You know, somebody dies, you go, what's your favourite Beatles song, Steve? And I go, she loves you. Thank you. What, what What are you supposed to say? What are you supposed to say? Stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But there again, that's from somebody who thinks they're a journalist. Presumably, I'd fire the producer. Oh, wait a minute, he is the producer. God in heaven. I love the way that people... You know, whenever you get somebody with a new radio programme, they think they're reinventing the wheel... And it's so funny because they go, oh, we're going to be doing this and that. And you go, nobody's listening to you. Nobody's listening. Get used to it. Get used to hearing the echo, 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 echo. That's what you're going to hear when it comes back. I mean, it's nothing worse, is there, really? I love delusional people. Oh, I'm going to start work at five o'clock in the morning. God, truth alive. Honestly, I'll tell you, I could sit here and whistle half the tunes from, you know, from the battlefields of America and I'd still pull an audience. Just proving a point, you know. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't care, honestly. I'm having such a good time. Nothing can wipe the smile off my face. We, we don't need to care, do we? Whenever you get somebody else on, they go, oh, hello, it's me on the radio. And you think, God, you know, the reason you've not been on the radio is because you're crap. <laughs> There's always a reason for it. It's not because you priced yourself out of the market. It's because you're desperately sad. Oh, look, my agent on the phone uh, saying, we've just got you more money. Thank you. And, uh, yes, you're so right, Michael. Um, yes, I mean, it, to be honest with you, what an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. But never mind. But as I say, nobody can hear it, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Steve, uh, competition is good. Oh, yes, I agree competition is good, but we don't have any competition on this programme. That's the problem. And what we're talking about isn't actually good. It's like, you know, people, I thought we did. Seriously, I just didn't, it just isn't there. But, no, competition is very good. But if you looked at my spike... There is no competition. Seriously. I mean, I, I know it sounds big-headed, and to be honest with you, pfft, I couldn't care less what you think. It doesn't bother me. But uh, we do have the biggest audience, you know, on on the spike. It's just, you know, nothing comes comes close to it, which is good. Uh, David Emmanuel, good morning, David. We're up very early. Oh, he's at hashtag friends of Steve Allen at Global. Good Lord, honestly. <laughs> More places out there, David, than I can ever imagine. But um, he says, have a lovely day. But because, as I've said before, you get more done if you get up early in the morning. And I don't care whether you're driving a a bus or you're a milkman or you're delivering bread or you're chauffeuring people around. The earlier you start, the better the day is. And then you you can sleep later. I know people say you shouldn't, but I mean, I do like a good nap. So when when I get in this morning, uh, I will have a little nap. I'll just check emails, check home emails and and then I think, right, I might have a cup of tea, probably unlikely, and, and I will then have a little sleep, generally for about an hour. 
So I go to sleep about nine o'clock. It's only just dozing on the settee. It's nothing. I don't climb into bed or anything like that. And and you think to yourself, right, that's it. And then I'll wake up and then I'll go out for fresh air. And then I'll do some shopping, do some little bits and pieces. And that, that works for me, but it takes time. That's why I love it when people all of a sudden go from doing one end of the day on radio to doing the other end of the day on radio. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's going to be fine. And you think, you have no idea. You have no idea. I, I've known loads of people in the industry over the years and it's, and it's people saying, oh, I'm going to be doing overnights. I said, listen, you have to really work out how your sleep is happening. Because if you don't get the right amount of sleep and you're doing a talk programme like this one, you're going to be asleep within 10 minutes because your brain doesn't function. Because all you're thinking about is, I need to go to sleep. And the more you think about going to sleep, because if you haven't got anything to talk about, and most of these people haven't got much to talk about, you've had to have lived for a certain amount of time to be able to experience and talk about life and death and happiness and misery and no partner or loads of partners or, you know, loads of money or not very much money or, you know, in debt to this person, cars broken, tax bills coming up, haven't got the money. You've got a bit to talk about everything. And the more you've experienced, the better it is. And you've always got something to talk about. People say to me, how do you know what to talk about? I said, well, that's like asking somebody at a dinner party, what should we talk about? You just have a conversation. The difference is... I'm having a one-sided conversation. I'm having it with you, and you're listening back, and you're responding. So it's it's just the way it works. And different people do different jobs. You know, I'd love to be... I keep seeing other people's jobs, and I think, oh, that, that actually looks looks quite nice, actually. Uh, <laughs> David Emmanuel's gone, at Steve Allen Show, hashtag use the day. You see, it's he's, he's absolutely right. The earlier you get up, the, the better it is. You get stuff... To, and there's no distractions... The only distraction is possibly this programme, but you can you can get on with things. And people, you know, they've downloaded the podcast. If you haven't downloaded the podcast, and I do urge you to download, it's free. You can get free troll. I don't know. We just, do we still have figures on the of the um, the people who are tracking? Sort of. Okay. So you just go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and uh, and then you uh, go to um, podcast podcast and it'll tell you how to do it it's free or you could download it from the usual place you get apps from but it's free and the programs are free as well all free somebody said to me no they're not they are they're all free all free everything stream for free stream for you can buy them you can buy them if you want to download you have to pay but if you stream it's free you see you can stream this this program you can go back seven days the next week you can listen to this program so you get a week full you know if you don't have the the money to to pay for them but you don't get to keep them Whereas if you if you download them, you get to keep them. You can go back over, gosh, years and years and years. So uh, so to all those people up at this time of the morning, of which I know there are many, many, many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of you, uh, good morning, as they say. Steve Allen on LBC. So I get this uh, this email. This is from, I won't tell you who the person is because they obviously want to remain anonymous. And um, he says, yesterday you were knocking BBC presenters. Well, it's so easy to do, isn't it? I mean, come on. BBC, we don't have an opinion presenters. But they're not allowed to have an opinion. You listen to any anything on BBC Local Radio or any of the... They don't have an opinion. Nobody has... They're not allowed to. Not allowed to. But he says, I've been training for 12 months to become a BBC presenter and I'm hoping to get a job soon. You will realise in a minute this is very much tongue-in-cheek, OK? We're also hoping you get a job soon. The training is much better than yours. I didn't have any training, actually. I just walked straight in 40 years ago, got a job and started earning money. I was that good. We've spent three months already learning to speak to the vocals. Beat that, he said. This is where you play the intro to a record. And it could be Stevie Wonder. (laughs) 
ears and... And you've got to hit the vocals, OK? When I worked in uh, Austria, all the records there had the intro put down. And we used to write them as well. Somebody would sit down in the record library and put down 16 seconds intro. So you put 16 seconds into your clock. You push the button and it would, it would go backwards. So you could never miss it. Uh, we also have a daily brainstorming session here to dream up new competitions. I've already had some great ideas. He said, I'll tell you a few if you promise not to steal them. I don't think there's any danger of us stealing anything from the BBC, actually. He says, there's the B-side game where the listener has to remember a B-side that nobody's heard of. Oh, how sweet. They're still playing records as opposed to on the computer. That's, that's lovely, isn't it? And uh, two is the Guess the Colour of My Socks quiz, where famous people come onto the programme, talk about any socks they've once owned, and the listener has to guess what colour they have on today. The winning listener gets a scarf of a different colour. That's good. Uh, there's also, this, this, this sounds like a winner, the news sound effect game. That's where we play a sound effect somewhere under the news, like a duck quack. And the first listener who calls in to say what the sound was gets a free tour of the station to meet all the staff on Christmas Day. Or you can have a car sticker if, if, if you're not Christian and you paid your licence fee. OK? He says, so stop knocking the BBC, Steve. As you can tell, I'll soon be up there with my slip mats giving you some serious competition. Now, come on. We don't play music on this programme. What I'd love to hear on a, on a music programme is the presenter actually talking for three hours solid. Very unlikely. He says, if ever you want any tips... Drop me a line and I'll soon get you up to speed. Watch those levels, pal. Um, well, as you probably know by now, I don't touch anything in the studio. I'm, I'm richer than you. And, uh, and I actually have somebody to, to do it for me. And, uh, and if, if I say we're now going to take a break, then they, they will take a break. If I say we're now going to sort of play this in, then we play that in. You know, I am all-seeing, all-empowering. I am the presenter who says, you know, and it, it doesn't happen very often, especially not on this programme, we're now going to take a break. Leading Britain's Conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Paul in Edinburgh says, please tell me the moronic email was fake. Could anybody be that stupid? It was fake. There's no point lying to you, I have to tell you, you know, if, if it was fake. Yes, absolutely. It, it was basically taking the mickey out of BBC local radio. Well done to the person who wrote it, because it was, it was very good. But the trouble is that that is local radio. Steve Allen on LBC. Christina said, any suggestions of something to do in London for free? Walking. Uh, very popular. Uh, not everybody does it. Oh, there's loads of things. All the museums, all the galleries, they're all free. Just around here, you can do the National Portrait Gallery. You can do the National Gallery. You can, you can spend all day in there. I mean, seriously, you can spend all day. And they've got a nice canteen, so you can have a sandwich, cheese and pickle, cup of coffee, or failing that, the, the new latest drink now. The buzzword is water. Overpriced water with a fizz in it. You can have that as well. But uh, no, any of the museums, they're all free. Then you can go to South Kensington. You could do a little bit of shopping in Harrods or have a look through the food hall. That's always entertainment. That's free. Uh, and if you push it, you might... Get a Krispy Kreme donut, uh, and then you can go and get a cup of coffee. Go to the V&A, nip over the road to the Natural History Museum, see where we all came from, and then you can do the Geology Museum. And next door to that one, you can do the Science Museum. And then you can go back into the back door of the V&A, go upstairs, and see rooms from old London houses that were pulled down years ago, which are perfect. And glassware, and oh, they've got a whole theatrical section. Really fabulous. So, I mean, you could, there's, there's a week's worth just there. A week's worth just there. And there's loads of other music. In fact, there is actually, if you go onto the internet, type in London for free, it'll list everything. Everything. Really, well worth it. Well worth it. Uh, Japanese slipper cocktail, melon liqueur, Cointreau, lemon juice, shake with ice 
shake with ice, strain into a cocktail glass, garnish with a maraschino cherry, says Patrick. That's right, tempt me at this time of the morning. A friend of mine says, um, go watch an auction. Uh, lovely cafe in Sotheby's, amazing lobster club sarnie. I can't eat lobster. <laughs> the only thing I can't do, we, 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 I told you we went out, four of us, and it was a restaurant that just serves lobster, and they brought it, and I looked, I thought, I'll just have the chips. I didn't like it at all. It didn't taste as I thought it was going to taste. I felt sorry for it, really. Not very exciting. <laughs> sorry about that. But, yeah, go and watch an auction. That's free. That's exciting. Pretend it's your auction. Then it's even more fun. Here's the other thing that's for free. We've got the Lumiere Festival. The Saint et Lumiere. A little bit of French there for you, for those people who don't speak another language. Uh, although Bayer embroidery is going to be on your brain every minute, isn't it, by the time they send that over? We're probably going to end up with the French mayor at the same time. It's his decision. We'll, uh, I don't know whether we, we said it. Well, just send it. We've seen it before. We made it. How you ended up with it, I've got no idea. But anyway, the Lumiere Festival. It's very interesting. The producer said, he said, I'm, I might come up at the weekend, Steve, to see the, uh, the Lumiere I said, you need to get a life. He said, that's not the first time I've heard that. I mean, fancy coming up to the... I said, I'll just get some torches and sort of wave them in the air. That'll be the same kind of thing. I'm led to believe it's far more sophisticated. Charlie Girling, head of our <laughs> head of our entertainment lot, says, you can't eat lobster. She says, call yourself posh. Excuse me, lobster was for poor people. Poor people. I still can't eat it. I d- it just doesn't do it for me at all. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just... Uh, I did try it. And in the end, I know somebody else can eat it. I just, it tasted fishy and it wasn't, I don't know what I thought it was going to taste, I thought it was going to taste like chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. A snake tastes like chicken. Unless, of course, you're the snake, in which case you're going, I'm a snake. All right, I'm a snake. But uh, I can't deal with it being boiled. I just don't, I, in, when we lived in Hong Kong, we had the floating restaurants at Aberdeen. And they've got big tanks and you pick out your fish that you want cooking. We only went there once. My father and uh, mother went there quite a lot for dinner parties and things like that. I only ever went there once. And and I don't know, perhaps it was my hatred of fish. All I could smell was fish. And because you're on a floating restaurant, it sort of bobs up and down. It's all a bit, you know, I mean, it was quite nice. And I I don't remember very much of it at all. I just remember the smell of fish. And that's kind of turned me off a little bit. So, I mean, it's just it's my fault. It's my fault. I mean, I'm just obviously not educated enough to uh, to eat anything like, like lobster. I, I wish it tasted of something different, but it didn't. But no, the uh, the Lumiere, which the uh, producer will be coming out to take some photographs and put them up on his Twitter account. Here is me on my bicycle. I'm in Leicester Square looking at giant flowers and Lumiere. He's only doing it because he's got a French word in front of it. It's the only reason, isn't it? So he'll be saying to people, have you seen the Lumiere? It'll all be very exotic. It's a load of old rubbish. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I said to him the other day, I said, have you seen that they're, they're boarding up one of the, uh, the cinemas in Leicester Square? And he went, uh, no, I haven't actually, Steve. And, um, and so I said, oh, just, he, said well, he said, I come out the door and I turn left. I thought, try looking right. You can't miss it. It's, he said, well, I, I don't actually, generally speaking, you know, in the, in the current uh, sort of reign of the monarch, uh, look to, to the right, but I'm doing the Lumiere at the weekend. I should be cycling up into town and uh, taking photographs. Oh, that's right. You can't, you can't cycle. All the roads are closed. Are they not closed again on Sunday, are they? Please tell me not. Oh, Lord. Do you know, I get sick to death of London. Sometimes They always say, if you're tired of London, you're tired of life, which is not true at all, because I'm never tired of London. There's always something exciting. You know, if it's, you know, I've loads of things that go on in London. But it's this, you can't park anywhere on a Sunday. You think, oh, go away. I'm sick to go, oh, it, it, it'll be a bicycle ride today. Well, make them bicycle somewhere else. 
you know, the moon is quite a popular venue, I think, at the, at the moment. Steve Allen on LBC. Black is the new white. That's the colour car that people want. I've got no idea why. No idea why. I mean, some little cars with it. I love the ones who've got the, the blacked-out windscreens and the side windows. Uh, the ones who basically are a little bit simple in between the ears. They don't have much going on, but they like that. Because I don't know why people who have blacked-out windows on cars, do they think that we all think that they're really super? Because they're generally the crappiest cars you've ever seen in your life. I'm driving a Fiat Punto, but it's got blacked-out windows. Make me look a bit blingy. No, it makes you look like a simpleton. Every time you see a blacked-out window car, you know damn well that they're sitting in there. They can't see anything. It's like people who wear sunglasses at night. Unless you've got glaucoma or cataracts, there's no logical reason for wearing sunglasses at night unless you're a complete and utter idiot. And you can hear their stereo. I nearly knocked on somebody's window the other day to get... To get they'll go... I was going to say, have you got any carpenters or something a bit more tuneful as opposed to this rubbish you're playing? And they're generally a bit peculiar, aren't they? Baseball caps on backwards and the like. You know, people who wear baseball caps on backwards, like trying to recapture something. Mainly their intelligence. Drive you mad. Steve, we get drivers pumping gangster rap music from their vehicles outside our place quite regularly the weekends because there's a free car park at the back of our property and it drives me mad. I've bitten the bullet and stormed out of my dressing gown. Many times, knocking on the driverless windows, politely request they respect the neighbourhood. You'd be surprised how accommodating these gangsters are. Mind you, I take their number plates first, should I ever need to call the uh, the police. Yes, I mean, it's it's very interesting that, you know, people don't... You know, why they want to play their music so that you can hear it on the outside, proving they're even more of planks than you ever thought they were in the first place. I mean, do they think that we look at them and go, oh, I'm really envious of that? Because they must live in a very shallow little world. Mainly they're pea brains, I think. Black is the most popular new car colour. What for? Why would you want a black car? Yellow is at number 10. Oh. Yellow Bentleys sell very well, I have to tell you. Uh, bronze. I saw a car the other day. I'm sure it looked as though it was metallic bronze. It looked quite pretty, actually, if you like that kind of blinged up trash. Uh, orange. Oh, nobody has an orange car, please. No, only chavs have orange. Green. Green? Who has a green car? Dark green, racing green, or, or are we talking leaf green? Probably both, actually, I should imagine. Red. Yeah, you've got a red car. It's not all red, though, is it? White, white roof, you see. That's that's the difference. Silver. Very, very sort of popular. Blue. Oh, blue cars. No, very naff. Very naff. A white car. Wedding, I'm afraid. Wedding, whichever way you look at it. Grey, number two. Hello, that's me. Well, actually, it's not... It's not. Well, it is grey, but it's called graphite or something. It's, it's, got, it's got a posh name. And uh, number one is black. But it's only 20.3%, whereas grey is 19.7%. So there's not really a lot in it, is there, really? And grey is also... And they go, oh, because black cars don't show the dirt. Are you having a laugh? Of course they show the dirt. They show the dirt even worse than most cars. At the moment, mine is dirty on the under sills because you just get the stuff that sprays up from the road. I can't do anything about it. I shall probably try and get it washed at some way. What is going on? Orange, apparently, I'm told. Orange cars from a friend of mine. McLarens. McLarens. But that's racing cars. I mean, I can't. I'm not in that sort of, uh, in that sort of category. It's a, it's a sort of, I'm having a look at, at, a, at a picture, actually, of this uh, McLaren. And, but, I mean, you couldn't drive one down the road, could you? Could you drive an orange car down? I'm looking... Oh, I say, oh, it's quite nice, actually. This is a production P1 supercar. You see, it's very nice, but I'd probably do my back in climbing in and out of that thing. 
It's, it's very, I would like to imagine how much it is. Would that would that be more than 30,000? Would it? A little bit more than 30,000. It's very pretty, isn't it, actually? You see, I see that more as burnished bronze. <laughs> Strangely enough, I don't know, a friend of mine, you've heard of the... There's a, a presenter called Chris Evans, I believe. He's got one of these things. And apparently they're about 200,000. A bit off from my... Uh, from my estimate of about £30,000. I couldn't drive something like that, but I have seen flash cars being driven through London. You know, people do drive flash cars through London, mainly people from the Gulf State. I don't think it's anybody from Twickenham or anything like that at all. I'd be frightened to drive it, because you do get people who are petrol heads, don't you? People who just want to be photographed. I've come back to find my car being photographed, mainly by the police, but, uh, you know, and they, and they sort of take... And you think, I've had, I came back to a car park when I parked my other car years and years ago, which was in a... Um, a sky like a Nordic blue colour, which is like sort of sky blue, and, and a couple taking photographs of it. I vowed never again to have a coloured car. I decided it grey is much easier. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. I've still got time to squeeze in a little more of my favourite bits from this week's shows. Let's start here. There was a woman on the bus the other day. She gets on. OK, she gets on the front of the bus. It's a single decker. We have them still in London with the pram. Now she's got to find, you know, she's standing at a bus stop. She's quite clearly the dumbest person going. And so she now gets her bag out from underneath the trolley to try and find the Oyster card. So we all have to sit there waiting while she sort of she's roots through and she finds the thing. And then she puts the thing on. Then she realises she can't push the pram up the aisle. So she goes, can I get on at the middle of the bus? Oh, my Godfathers, I'd have driven off. I'd have driven off. And then you get, hold on, the, the, yes, hang on, the bus is about to start moving. No, we're moving already. It's for these people, they stand at bus stops. And then there was a woman in the supermarket the other day. And we're all standing there. And so she's put all the stuff in the bag. And then she goes to try and find her purse at the bottom of this enormous bag. Why didn't you get it out to start with? What is it? What's the matter with these people? But it's the people on the buses. Oh, I've got this thing here. So they put it in it. Beep, beep, beep. No, it's got no money on it. Beep, beep, beep. So they turn it round. Beep. Then they say a prayer. Beep, beep, beep. No. And it still goes like that. It just drives me mad. Absolutely mad. But there again, everybody's got something. I mean, I never understand. You're standing by a bus stop. Surely you're going to be expecting to pay for the ride. As we pointed out at the beginning of the programme, Lisa, if you do get on a bus and they go... Hold on, the bus is about to set off. It's about, what is it? What do they say? I can't remember what they exactly say. I, I shall find it and we, I shall play it to you. Because you'll hear it on every bus. We've got them in Twickenham as well. Must drive the drivers mad. Please hold on, the bus is about to move. I mean, please hold on, the bus is about to move. No kidding, Sherlock. A bus moving in London? Who'd have thought? Who would have guessed? And they always tell you whilst the thing is moving. I'm well aware. I'm really educated. I promise you, I know when the bus moving. Who was the person who recorded it? They'll have to find that out now. There'll be some some lower radio station, BBC Radio Berkshire. They'll be they'll be sort of coming up with. So who did record that? We had somebody who came down to London years ago, worked for LBC, and his sole thing was to find out who recorded "Mind the Gap." As if, I mean, seriously, this is for people on limited income. Nobody cares about it. But to tell you now that, hold on, because the bus is about to start moving, when the bus is moving, seems absolutely pointless, doesn't it? Steve Allen on LBC. Rats did not spread the Black Plague. They call it the Black Death, but it was the Black Plague. It was us humans with body lice because people didn't wash. A bit like Julian Assange. You know, he doesn't wash either. 
and he's Mr. Stinky Poos. So, you know, he, he could be spreading the plague all by himself inside the Ecuadorian embassy. Because <laughs> somebody was complaining bitterly about him. They said he just doesn't wash. And you think, well, that's not very good, is it, really? We don't want that kind of thing at all. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve, a couple of weeks ago, I told you I'd booked a cruise on the Titanic. They've informed me they've discovered a leak. Could I have your advice, says Steve? Should I cancel the cruise to the Caribbean? Because knowing my luck, we'll hit an iceberg. Oh, I'd take it and take out insurance. I would think that'd be it. I don't know how deep the sea is around the Caribbean. I know that where it is, it's two miles down. I mean, you try and visualise two miles and that's, t- turn, you know, look at a road map and then turn it on its side and that's how deep the thing... I'd love to go down to it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love... I mean, you know, it's, if they could bring it up, it'd be quite nice in bits, but obviously they can't touch it. Um, I would love to go down to it. I'd love to go down a little submersible, but I've, I've a feeling I might have a panic attack halfway down. And then they turn up. Apparently you go down, it's dark, 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 and all you can hear is... And then this huge creature appears in black going, Are you with me, Obi-Wan Kenobi? And you think, I'm in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong place. I'm supposed to be doing the Titanic tour. And so you go, you go down. And then all of a sudden, the, these arc lights come on, on your little submersible. And there is the Titanic. There is the Titanic, the front bit of the ship. I mean, you know, just to see it. Because I've only ever seen it with Leonardo DiCaprio on board. And, uh, and Kate Winslet. I've never seen her out of that. And I just, I just quite fancy the idea. I don't know what I'd think about it. I think I'd probably look out and think it's a piece of scenery. Have they just painted it? Have they just painted it? I mean, I just want to go and, I just want to go and see it. It's about forty grand for forty thousand. They'll, they'll take you down to it. Seems a lot of money, doesn't it? Perhaps you could get sort of return. And whether I don't know whether that's one way or two ways, but I'd definitely like to do it. That'd be a trip of a lifetime, wouldn't it? There's so many things that you want to do, and you can. Here we go. You can visit the uh, the Titanic, the Titanic thing, and uh, they talk about building it, the maiden voyage, the iceberg. Um, there's something about it that intrigues us, doesn't it? When you look at the pictures of it covered, because very shortly it's all going to, it's all just going to implode on itself, just going to fall in. Uh, your dive duration could be 11 to 12 hours. Illuminated, wait for this one, illuminated by the powerful lights of the submersible. Your viewing port will be filled with images of the uh, of the RMS Titanic. The bright lights will pick up the huge anchors, larger than the submersible, and the capstans, the bridge, the famous grand staircase, all nestled among rivers of rust as the ocean slowly consumes the grand old lady. You'll see the ship's uh, telemotor, the massive boilers, the propellers, and uh, the Marconi room from which the world's very first SOS was broadcast. Among thousands of tons of twisted and corroding metal, you may catch a glimpse of articles of a personal nature, such as ships' bags or small ladies' shoes, graphic and solemn reminders of the human loss. Isn't it amazing? So this, this operational... Have they got the price on this thing? So day, day one, uh, you arrive in Newfoundland, you stay overnight. Day two, the embark and the evening departure for the Titanic site. Day three... You are en route to the wreck site of the Titanic. Day 4 to 10, diving on the Titanic. The lecture, Ocean Awareness and Activity Programmes, continue. Uh, Day 11, diving on the Titanic, an evening departure for Newfoundland. And then you're at sea going back home again. And then day 13, you're there. So it's 13 to... How much is it? How much is it? That's all we want to know. Can we afford it? So they are taking reservations. Wait a minute. Uh, They are taking... They don't tell you the cost, but they are taking reservations now 
for 2018. I mean, don't you think that's just the most amazing thing? There might be very, very, very rich people listening at the moment going, you know, where would you go to? I mean, it's either that or you'd quite like to go have a wander around the moon or something like that. Oh, here we go. I've got a price for you. And um, although heavily involved in organising and planning the trip, uh, McCullum has only ever been able to take the plunge to the Titanic once at a cost of $59,000 per person. $59,000 per person. So that's it. Oh, it's the end of an era for ghostly trips. So it's interesting. It's more than $100,000 now because, they, they, I mean, you don't want to go down there and the ship collapses while you're there because it might involve you stuck in a little submersible. No, thank you very much. But uh, it's about $100,000 now. But you'd never, you'd never ever see that uh, the like again, would you? And, you? and you'd have to take your own pictures. It would be, it would be something really exciting. I can't think of anything that would be as exciting, apart from a trip to the moon or failing that, you know, this sort of virgin thing that's going to go up there and whiz you around the stars and the planets. That I quite fancy as well. But you've got to do something different, haven't you? I mean, most of us just, we lead quite dull, unadventurous lives. And yet, seriously, you, you'd probably like to do that. If, if you had limitless money and somebody said, what would you like to do? I'd like to live in a flat in Hampton Court Palace. That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to live in Hampton Court Palace to see if all this baloney about, oh, it's haunted, actually is true. This is after the story in the paper today that Katie Price has called in a professional ghost hunter. For that read, do lally, do lally. And um, he's going to sort out the ghosts in the house. It's funny, she's never mentioned this ever before, ever before. So she's obviously sitting down there one evening, having had a bottle of Lambrusco, uh, trying to think about how she can try and get some more dreary publicity. And so the next thing is there'll be a programme, Katie Price's Hauntings. Or just the haunting face of Katie Price, I think it'd be better. A visit down to the Titanic, 11 to 12 hours. Not with your bladder, says Holly. I know, I have to think about these things, but I've discovered if I don't have, if I don't have a glass of water or a bottle of water, I'm fine. I can go for, for a little while. In fact, if I don't eat. In fact, basically, I just stop breathing. It makes it an awful lot easier. Steve, um, isn't it a bit weird to holiday to a mass grave? No, no, Ben, not in the slightest, no. It's not really a mass grave. It's a, it's a site where a lot of people died. But I don't, I don't think you're going to be opening a cabin door and seeing people sitting in there anymore. You know, I think that's all, that's all finished. But there again, we often go down to war. And this wasn't a war grave. This wasn't a war grave. This is just, it's a great, that's why they won't move anything. You know, there have been things that have sort of come up naturally. And uh, they form the basis of uh, an exhibition. But no, I don't see any problem with uh, holidaying. It's not a holiday. It's a fact-finding mission. Fact, that's what it is. It's a fact-finding mission to, uh, to a ship. A ship that was so famous for such a brief period of time. And now it's infamous. But in a few years' time, it will have, it will have gone. It's being eaten by the creatures down there who eat metal. How they ever discovered that one, I've got no idea. But they eat metal. And, uh, and it will just implode. There'll be a sort of, you won't hear anything. But somebody down there will probably capture it and it will just fall in on itself. It's a, it's a mass of twisted metal at the moment. But it's interesting. It's news. It's news, that's why. And still, it's news. Jenny in Hampton says, I told my husband I'll just get him a one-way trip as I can't afford the full price. 100000 It's gone up a little bit, hasn't it? But if you just won, you know, a few million on the lottery, why not? I'd like to have a go down there, wouldn't I? I'm, I'm just worried about the panic attack thing. And also, now you've worried me about going to the toilet. Might not be the best thing. Uh, Steve, you says Katie Price has a ghost. Maybe she was drunk and saw herself in the mirror. Well, both are very likely, I suspect, with Katie Price. Poor thing. Obviously, they, they, they sort of sit at home trying to dream up something 
that can sort of get her back in the newspapers or get her back on the television. But to be honest with you, because the uh, desperately poor one needs as much work as she can get, she'll take just about anything. So if somebody goes, we'll give you a thousand quid for doing it. I mean, but bearing in mind, she hasn't promoted anything for a little while. Main oh, my screen's gone off. Oh, it's come back on again. Uh, mainly because nobody's interested. Most of her stuff doesn't sell. The only things that sort of sell are the autobiographies. And, uh, and even there, you know, she doesn't write those. Just sits down and dictates. Steve Allen on LBC. Anne Widdicombe last night sits in the diary room and, and she starts complaining. You've done this, you've done that. It's not fair, it's this and it's that. And, and she drones on in that funny little nasally vibrato voice that she's got. And, uh, and then they had the panel on there, Vanessa and Anthony and a woman we hadn't heard of. She's a comedian, used to be a prison officer. So a bundle of laughs there. Eva Vidal. Ava Vidal. And I'd never heard of her. They obviously find them. They obviously get an agent phoning up saying, would you like to talk to her? She's been on this. And they go, oh, right, OK. So, you know, somebody books her. And, uh, and she said about Anne Whittacombe, she said, it's so funny. She said, there she is sitting, complaining about this, that and the other from Big Brother. And all the time, you know, when she was a Conservative minister, she was causing more misery for other people. Conveniently forgets that. Of course, now she's a personality. But the trouble is, she isn't a personality. Just a short, little, fat, old woman who's very bigoted. Doesn't seem to like gay people, voted against gay marriage, doesn't seem to like anybody, actually. But as I say, and admits to being the oldest virgin. Why you tell people that? You only have to look at her to realise, of course, she's going to be the oldest virgin. I don't know why that makes such a difference. I don't know why people are interested. But they sort of they sort of went into to raptures about it. It's like they get people on there. I mean, you know, uh, what would she say if asked to do an in-conversation after she comes out of the house? No, I won't. No, she'd be asking how much money was involved, I should imagine. That's what she'd be asking. That's what she's come down to now. How much you paying? Uh, well, I don't know. Are you interesting? The truth is she's not interesting. She's not saying anything. If you think it's controversial to say she voted against gay marriage, it's not. It's called being a bigot. It's called being a homophobe. And yes, I've pointed out to you before, she's got lots of gay friends. I'm not totally convinced she knows they're gay. And, uh, and they go out for lunch with her and things like that. She's more than, more than willing to sort of, you know, take the golden shilling, as they say. Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.